Hi, this is James Barris. I hope you find this talk supports you in your practice. If you'd like to support my teaching, you can use the donate button underneath my picture on Dharma Seed to do that. Your support is greatly appreciated. So if you get the weekly announcements and uh, newsletter uh, announcements, uh, which you can get, by the way, if you don't, by uh, going to that Insight Berkeley um, website, and there's the there's the information on uh, how to get the weekly announcements. Uh, I'm assuming probably most of you have, if you are knowing the link in the Zoom room. Um, I put out the announcement yesterday that uh, I wanted to share... Uh, the the shortest teaching of the Buddha, the the most concise teaching of of all in the Pali Canon, um, which, as it turns out, resulted in uh, somebody becoming fully enlightened. So uh, get ready. No, I'm just kidding. If that happens, let me know. Uh, I'll I'll want to speak with you later on. But it is a, a very profound, succinct t- teaching, and it is called the Bahia Sutta. Uh, and I'll put that name here in the chat box. The Bahia Sutta. The main character being, not surprisingly, um, a fellow named Bahia. And I'll share with you the the background of the the story, and uh, and include, of course, the teaching in it. This is uh, from a collection in the uh, discourses in the canon uh, from the Udana collection, and it's called the the Bahia Sutta. <clears throat> Maybe I'll just read some of it so you. You get a sense of of the uh, the background, and I'll I'll fill it in. Okay. Thus have I heard that on one occasion the Blessed One, the Buddha, was staying near Savati at Jetta's Grove, Anattapindika's monastery. And on that occasion, Bahia of the bark cloth—that's the name of the the clan that he was part of—was living in. Suparaka by the seashore far away. But he was worshipped, revered, honored, venerated, and given homage, a recipient of robes, alms food, lodging, and medicinal requisites for the sick, meaning he was uh, an ascetic, a monk in his in his own right, but not with the Buddha. Then when he was alone in seclusion, this line of thinking appeared to his awareness. Now of those who in this world who are arhats, that is fully enlightened beings, or have entered the path of arhatship on their way to being a fully enlightened being, am I one? So there he was meditating by himself and he was as, as, it said, a revered teacher with lots of students who supported him. And he thought to himself, maybe you've had this thought to yourself, hmm, how, how evolved 
am I, or is my practice? Maybe it didn't occur to you, am I fully enlightened? Uh, that thought hasn't occurred to me yet. But you might be wondering, where am I in my practice? Well, this fellow was thinking to himself on his own self-retreat. And as this story goes, and you can take it with a grain of salt, um, a deva who uh, was supposedly a, a relative in, uh, in their earlier uh, uh, lifetime, somebody who was up in the deva realms, uh, the heavenly realms, oh yeah, who had once been a blood relative of Bahia of the bar cloth, compassionate, desiring Bahia's welfare, and knowing her own awareness the line of thinking that had arisen in Bahia went to him and on arrival said, you Bahia are neither an Arhant, you're not a fully enlightened being, nor have you entered the path of Arhantship. You don't even have the practice whereby you would become an Arhant or enter the path of Arhantship. Wow, can you imagine how that would land to this revered teacher? No, you're not fully enlightened. You're not even doing a practice that's going to lead to full enlightenment. But Bahia had some real humility, which doesn't always come with revered teachers. And he said, he asked the Deva, then who in this world with its devas, heavenly, uh, heavenly beings, who are arhants or have entered the path to full enlightenment? And then the deva said, Bahia, there is a city in the northern country named Savati. There, guess who? The blessed one, an arhant, fully enlightened, is living now. He truly is a fully enlightened being and teaches the Dhamma, the teaching that leads to full enlightenment. Then Bahia, deeply chastened by the Deva, left Suparaka, where he was living right then and in this says in the space of one night, I've also read translations that says going on a long sojourn where he only stayed uh, to sleep one night. He didn't dawdle. He went on this long journey to find the Buddha staying at Savati. Um, now on that occasion, a large number of monks were doing walking meditation in the open air, just like you might do at Spirit Rock, you know, lifting, moving, placing, feeling the steps and doing their mindfulness practice. And he went to them on arrival and he said, where venerable sirs is the blessed one? Where's your teacher? That fully enlightened being, self-awakened. Where is he now? I want to see the blessed one right now and he was told by the 
monks and monastics, oh, uh, the Buddha has gone into town for alms. So Bahia, hurriedly, he'd been making this long journey. Finally, he's getting closer to the master. Hurriedly, leaving Jetta's Grove and entering Savati, he sees the Buddha going for alms round. Serene, here's the words in the sutta, serene and inspiring serene confidence, calming his senses at peace, his mind at peace, having attained the utmost tranquility and poise, tamed, guarded, his senses restrained. Seeing him, Bahia approaches the Buddha and on reaching him, throws him threw himself down with his head at the blessed one's feet so you can see there's this real yearning for the teaching he's not about to test him and say hey you know show me your how enlightened you are he says you have the teaching and he says teach me the dhamma oh blessed one Teach me the Dhamma, oh, well gone. That's one of the names of the Buddha, Tathagata, thus come, thus gone, freed. Teach me the Dhamma that will be for my long welfare, my long-term welfare and bliss. But the Buddha is in the middle of alms round, right? So being human and real he says hey i'm in the middle of alms round and he says um this is not the time bahia uh we have entered the town for alms bahia is very persistent and he says a second time but it is hard to know for sure what dangers there may be for the blessed one's life, what dangers there may be for mine. Teach me the Dhamma, O blessed one, teach me so that it will be for my long-term welfare and bliss. He says, who knows what's going to happen? You know, you something might happen to you, something might happen to me. Please, can you teach me now? The Buddha for the second time says, this is not the time, Bahia. We've entered the town for alms, right? Still, Bahia is very persistent. Can you imagine, can you imagine going up to the Buddha and saying, teach me right now? And the Buddha says, no, 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 let me finish alms. And having the, it's a Pali word, chutzpah, uh, to, to say, no, uh, you've got to teach me right now. And then the second time, no, 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 no. You've got to you, you, just wait. I'm on alms round. But then he asks the magic proverbial third time. And in Buddhism, third time is a charm. If you ask earnestly three times, it behooves one to respond. So he says for a third time, blessed one, it is hard to know for sure what dangers there may be 
for your life or for my life. Teach me the Dhamma. Teach me so that it might will be for my long-term welfare and bliss. Mm -mm. So then the Buddha responds. Okay. Since you asked me three times, here it is. But there he is in the middle of alms round. He doesn't want to give a whole long discourse, right? He's not going to give the four noble truths and the eightfold path and the five hindrances and uh, the seven factors of enlightenment. He wants to be concise so that he can go and have his meal and give him a teaching that will hit the nail on the head, as they say. So this is what he says. Mm -hmm. Then Bahia, you should train yourself thus. Here it is. In the reference to the scene, in what is seen, there should be only what is seen. In what is heard, there should be only the hearing of what is heard. In reference to the sensed, there is only what is sensed. In reference to the cognized, that is to uh, the thought, there should only be known thinking, the thought. This is how you should train yourself. When for you, there will be only the seen in reference to the seen, only the heard in reference to the heard, only the sensed in reference to the sensed, only the cognized in reference to thinking, then Bahia, there is no you in connection with that. And when there is no you in connection with that, there is no you there. When there is no you there, you are neither here nor yonder nor between the two. This, just this, is the end of suffering. That was it. We'll hopefully unpack that a little bit. Through hearing this brief explanation of the Dhamma from the Blessed One, the mind of Bahia of the bark cloth, right then and there was released through lack of clinging. Have ex having exhorted Bahia with this brief explanation of the Dhamma, the Buddha left. Now here's the, uh, the kicker to the story. So Bahia gets this teaching. Ah, finally, I got it. Then, not long after 
the Blessed One's departure, Bahia was attacked and killed by a cow with the cow's young calf. In one, uh, one rendition, the cow was protecting her calf. And then the Blessed One have, and uh, the cows, by the way, in India, uh, they're, they're cows that have horns, even um, uh, not just bulls, but uh, this cow had, had horns and was gored by the, by the calf, by the cow. So then the Buddha, having gone for alms, after finishing the meal, returning from alms with a large number of monks, saw that Bahia had died. And on seeing him, he said to the monks, take Bahia's body, monks, and place it on a litter, on a, like a platform, and carrying it away, cremate it, and build him a memorial, a stupa. And this is a, 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 an act of, of veneration. Your companion in the holy life has died and we should honor him responding the monks say as you say lord and they placed bahia's body on a litter carried it away cremating him and building him a memorial then they went to the buddha and on arrival bowed down to him and sat to one side as they were sitting there they said to him bahia's body has been cremated lord and his memorial has been built. What is his destination? What is his future state now? And the Buddha responds, monks, Bahia of the bar cloth was wise. He practiced the Dhamma in accordance with the Dhamma and did not pester me with issues related to the Dhamma. Bahia of the bar, of the bar cloth monks is totally unbound, is now fully enlightened. So, Bahia had some kind of a premonition, like, hey, I can't dilly-dally here. I've, I've got to get the teachings, the succinct teachings. Like he said, who knows? You might die. I might die. I want to go for it. And supposedly, when you're fully enlightened, you are finished with the round, the cycle of, of rebirths, and you're fully, uh, fully liberated. Okay, so now, having said that, what do you think the Buddha meant by that? In the seeing, there is only what is seen. In the hearing, there is only what is heard. In the sensed, there is only what is sensed. In the, the thinking, there is only the thinking. That is all. Anyone want to take a stab at that? We can have a, a conversation if, if you're you know, brave enough to, uh, to try or to, um, and there's, there's no failing this. Uh, but before I, I share from my side, um, anyone have, a, have a, 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 an inkling of what he was pointing to? I can take a 
take a stab. Okay, <laughs> Isabel, thank you. I, I mean, I actually have two ideas. Okay. And I'll just say, the first one is the second arrow that teaching about how when things happen, we create more drama for ourselves. But then when I started to think about that, then I realized the second arrow is related to um, dependent origination. And I think what he meant was to not partake in dependent origination, <laughs> not partake in that cycle of selfing in everything. And if you're not selfing, then all there is is just you're taking yourself out, as he said. There's mm -hmm. no you, there is only what happens, what you see, what you hear, what you think, what you touch, what you feel, the sense doors, mm. and that's it. And if mm. you're not perpetuating it with the um, a dependent origination or the second arrow, then you're then you're free. Mm -hmm. Lovely, lovely. Okay, thank you very much. And I'll unpack it a bit more, but uh, that was that was beautiful. Uh, Anne, you have your hand up. What, what, how does it hit Hi. you? Um, yes, I was thinking of the term um, uh, Anna, no self, that when you see something, it's just the object, it's not you seeing it. When you think something, it's not the thought, it's not you thinking it, it's just the thought that and, and you know it disappears. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it's uh, there are three things. Uh, my poly is not very good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's non existent. Okay. Anicca, uh, 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 ana, anatta, and uh, dukkha. So uh -huh. it's uh, unsatisfactoriness, not self. And and everything is passing, um, insubstantial. Mm -hmm. So I think that's that he was kind of saying the anatta part of those three elements. Mm -hmm. And um, Mr. Bart Kloss realized that mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not here. I mean, no self, but mm -hmm. there's self realization. Beautiful. Great. This is great. We have a couple of more hands. Thanks so much. And that was really wonderful. Uh, Joe, I think you had your hand up next and, and then Charlie. Yes, James. <clears throat> so what happened was I was considering the cognized and the, you know, and only cognized. Um, and what immediate, what, what occurred to me sort of in a flash was that, um, Oftentimes there, for me, I'm just speaking for myself, oftentimes there's this tendency to, um, to be sitting there in meditation and have thoughts arise and sort of feel like there's a need to deal with them or not deal with them or do something with them. And it occurred to me that, that you could just drop them. <laughs> you could just plain drop them. Mm. And in that moment, the moment of dropping them, there's a great deal of freedom. Mm. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. 
we're we're all on the uh, on the on the right track here. Charlie, hi. Hi, James. Hi, Charlie. Um, real short. Hi, Charlie. Hi, James. A real short answer to the to the shortest Buddhist teaching. Um, you are um, fully present in the moment. You are pure awareness. You are you are fully present in the moment. You're not hung up in the past. You're not dreading the future. That's it. I'm done. Thank mm -hmm. you, James. Mm -hmm. Okay. Lovely. Um, Thank you. I'm getting an echo here. Uh, let's see. So let me get this gallery view. Um, yeah. Any other any other thoughts? I mean, this is uh, we're all kind of on the same uh, same track. Oh, Gaia. Hi. Hi. Um, in a way, it's kind of repeating what he said, but it's about the basic present mindful awareness when so being aware when I'm seeing when they're seeing being aware when there's hearing and being mindful with that being aware when there's thinking and being mindful of that um, being aware when there's feelings um, being aware when there's thinking did I always say thinking but so it uh, it was very simple and very clear about that it's present mindful awareness of whatever sense door is being um, touched by the, the present moment. And that's all I've got. Mm -hmm. Yeah, <laughs> lovely. Yeah, you're, you're, uh, it's, you're, you're all kind of right there. And let me just uh, uh, share a little bit and make it practical for, for our sitting practice uh, so that it's... Um, mm, it's not a uh, not an esoteric kind of a thing. Um, when you are when you're meditating, um, you might hear a sound outside, you know, some uh, a bird or uh, or a jackhammer or a baby or whatever it is generally when we hear something when we have say that sense impingement um we uh, not only are hearing the sound but we're also generally knowing what the sound is oh that's a jackhammer and there is almost always a story about it oh that's a jackhammer oh why is that jackhammer doing that oh there's a beautiful bird oh i love birds uh or whatever the sense impingement is uh when a, a few weeks ago or last month i i shared or maybe it's a couple of months ago i shared a, a discourse the honeyball sutta about papancha you might remember that one where the Buddha talks about how there's a stimulus and there's contact between the object out there, the organ, sense organ that hears it and the consciousness that, uh, that connects with it. And the three of them together create what's called contact and out of contact, 
there usually arises not just a feeling of pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral, but thought that proliferates, papancha. I'll put that in the box again. Uh, it's a really good word to know. Papancha. Let me get this uh, right. Proliferation of thought. The C is like a CH. And this is how most of us walk around most of the time, one thought leading to a whole um, world of thought or one thought just leading to another, to another, to another. And <clears throat> generally that thought, all of those thoughts revolve somehow around a sense of self. This is happening to me or them out there and me in here experiencing it. The meditation, something that you might already do in your meditation practice. If not, then uh, I really encourage you to play around with it is rather than getting caught in the content of what you're experiencing to be aware of the process of experience so that rather than for instance uh if you have a, a pain in your shoulder rather than thinking oh i have a pain in my shoulder which generally is the the response oh pain is arising or if you uh, see an image in your mind oh seeing is happening rather than what the image is or um, hearing is going on instead of hearing the jackhammer or, or or the bird oh the process of hearing is occurring or even with thought, and that's the, the trickiest one of all, rather than getting caught up in the content of your thoughts, which is pretty much where most of us live most of the time, lost in our stories, when you know, oh, thinking is happening, instead of, oh, God, that really did happen to me in junior high, and why did she do that and all of that oh a thought has arisen and when you see it on the the process level rather than the content you are not creating constructing this sense of self oh this is happening to me but rather oh this flow of experience is occurring because there's only six things as the Buddha spoke of, there's only six things that are happening in your whole world. Seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching, and mind objects, thinking. And when you tune into it on the process level, rather than the content of the thought or the sight or the sound or whatever 
you're not constructing this sense of self, as was said, anatta, or you're not, you're not separating yourself out and reifying that sense of, of separation. And when you, when you do that, not only you're not constructing yourself, uh, this sense of self, but you're also seeing the flow of experience, how one process is after another, after another. And so if you're sitting there and it's a, a relatively clear meditation and you're simply noticing, oh, breathing in, breathing out, hearing, thinking, breathing in, breathing out, oh, sensing, oh, tightness, oh, instead of, oh, my shoulder is tight, whatever. And you're simply with that flow of experience, that opens us up to seeing how in direct ex directly anicca, the flow of impermanence, and you're not constructing this sense of self. Does that make sense with me so far? And I wanted to read to you um, a beautiful passage, contemporary passage of uh, Ajahn Chah. You might have, you might be uh, familiar with Ajahn Chah, who was Jack Cornfield's main teacher, uh, Ajahn Sumedho's uh, main teacher, and uh, Ajahn Amaro's, and the whole uh, the whole uh, Amaravati uh, monastic community. Um, and this is what he says that is his own way of saying this teaching. So here it is, and then we can have an open conversation. He says, about this mind, in truth, there's nothing really wrong with it. It is intrinsically pure. You don't have to fix your mind. Isn't that good news? It is intrinsically pure. There is simply awareness, knowing experience. Within itself, it's already peaceful. If the mind is not peaceful these days, it's because it follows moods. The real mind doesn't have anything to it. It is simply an aspect of nature it becomes peaceful or agitated because moods deceive it. The untrained mind is stupid. He doesn't mince any words. Sense impressions come and trick it into happiness, suffering, gladness, sorrow. But the mind's true nature is none of those things. That gladness or sadness is not the mind, but only a mood coming to deceive us. The untrained mind gets lost and follows these things. It forgets itself. Then we think that it is we who are upset or at ease or whatever. But really, this mind of ours is already unmoving and peaceful, really peaceful. Just like a leaf, which remains still 
so long as the wind doesn't blow. If a wind comes up, the leaf flutters. The fluttering is due to the wind. The fluttering of the mind is due to those sense impressions. The mind follows them. If it doesn't follow them, it doesn't flutter. If we know fully the true nature of sense impressions, we will be unmoved. Our practice is simply to see this original mind. We must train it to know those sense impressions and not get lost in them, to make it peaceful. This is the aim of all this difficult practice we put ourselves through. So comments about that. Any thoughts? I have a question. Yeah. My name is Tia. Hi, Tia. Hi. Uh, wonderful presentation. Thank you. I wanted to know um, if the emotions, when you uh, talk about them, are coming. I see I have a, a health background um, from responses by the heart, uh, you know, kicking up uh, faster in response to hormones rather than mm -hmm. something emanating from a thought or your mind. Yeah. And, and so the question is emotions coming from the physical, biological source. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and uh, we are a body-mind process. So the body affects the mind and the mind affects the body. But absolutely, even if after you've seen clearly the, uh, the, the thought, there can still be uh, cortisol running through the body and you're still shaking and you say, oh, the thought is empty, but there you are, you've been activated, it'll keep on going. So you have to be really patient with that, that whole uh, mind-body process to come back. However, if you, can, if you can notice the thought and not get into reaction with it, you'll likely, uh, I, I, I've seen that uh, emotions, uh, one study that most emotions have about a 90 second lifespan if you don't mess with them. Um, and even if your body goes through what it goes through, if you're clear enough and you see, oh, this is just the body doing its thing, like just what happened to me right now. Oh, this is, this is just body following its own laws and not, oh my God, what are they going to think of me? Oh, gee, it's just, it's just the body doing its thing. Oh, it's just the mind doing its thing. And that's where there's freedom in not taking personally what happens. Uh, that's where the real freedom is. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Anything else? Anything you want to ask about practice or um, any anything on your mind before we we close? Yeah, Joe, did you want to say something? 
I was just hoping that maybe you could put in the chat where that where that um, quote came from from Majan Chah. That was quite wonderful. And I've oh never yeah, heard sure. Um, it was called. Uh, I looked it up and I just uh, googled. I knew I know some of the lines, so it it came up. Uh, uh, it used to be called "The Taste of Freedom," but there's a book that that's a collection of his teachings now called "The Taste of Freedom." Uh, it came from here. If you if you Google uh, Ajahn Chah. And it starts out about this mind. That'll probably get it for you. It actually comes from, uh, it, it is found in a book, Food for the Heart, um, which is a collection of Ajahn Chah's uh, teachings. Food for the Heart, the collected teachings of Ajahn Chah. So, got it already. Thank you very much, James. Oh, good. Uh, Susan, hi. Did you? Uh, I'm yeah. outside right now. I'm in Denver, so it's a little dark. Okay. So I don't know if you can kind of see me a little bit, baby. Um, can hear I you. That's good enough. <laughs> yeah, my teeth, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, I had a question about the feeling the emotions my take on that is that often when they come up I need to really feel them deeply and and really let them be there and sometimes I practice things like rain to really mm -hmm. allow those feelings to be there so that they're much longer than just 90 seconds mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I've noticed that it actually does take a while and so I may be a little confused about the 90 second. Um, yeah, them last that they should last only or that they should last only 90 seconds or should might not be the right word. But. That, yeah, that's it. Should is yeah. not the not the yeah. Yeah. not the most accurate word. It, it's just a phenomenon that if you don't get caught and uh, activated by the the emotion or or the story behind it it has a um, a limited lifespan however that's not to say that you shouldn't have emotions and in fact the the buddha said in in his uh in the satipatthana sutta he said be mindful of emotions when anger arises no oh here's anger arising when uh, when joy arises or loving kindness, no, oh, and here's loving kindness arising. If you're mindful and you really have some clarity uh, of, of wisdom, then you're, you're seeing this is just an emotion or a mind state that is arising and you don't get lost in it. However, when you do get lost in it, like many people, it can be very profound to use, like you're saying, you use rain, which is really another way of not identifying with it. Oh, to recognize it's here, to allow it, to investigate it, 
And uh, if you're a Tara Brock fan, uh, she says nurture, bring nurture to it. If you're a more traditional Theravadan uh, practitioner, the N is non-identify with it, not taking it personally. So in a way, when you're feeling those feelings, you're seeing them wisely without taking them personally. Or if you do take them personally and or you find yourself lost in the story, then that's when self-compassion is an appropriate strategy. Oh, I need to calm down my whole system before I can just see the emptiness of it. So there's lots of different strategies and emotions are part of being human. Uh, so uh, let go of the should and just be with it as clearly as you can without getting lost in blame or shame or reacting and perpetuating the story. Yeah, so I'm hearing that the, yeah, the self-compassion aspect is a very important part of it, depending where you're at with those emotions, how strong they are in it. Exactly, yeah. you got yeah. it, yeah. Okay, and okay. to finish off, if I may, uh, uh, this tea again, um, I guess the training might get you eventually to a place I'd hope where you could use the thought stoppage technique of you immediately have this, this space you've created before you react to the hormones where you realize, oh, my heart's going fast. I'm feeling, you know, this emotion come on. Let me just uh, count backwards by sevens from a hundred for <laughs> 90 seconds until it passes. That, that, that's that's uh, a, a great technique. That, that is the idea. In fact, uh, I was, I was so inspired today uh, on, on this retreat from the, uh, with the Finns on the group interview, this, um, this woman said, uh, this is a tremendous revelation and it's an awakening joy retreat. So she was saying this led to joy. She said, I see that my mind is about to get into a story. And then I had said that you can, that the moment of mindfulness, you're not getting, you're not feeding the story. And she said, I just came back to what was happening in this moment and the story disappeared and there was joy. It was, I, I, we all got a transmission as she was saying it. And she was discovering for herself exactly what you're talking about. Oh, I don't have to feed this story. I can come back to the moment. Ah, what's happening now? And in, in this Sutta de Bahia, the Buddha is saying, in the thinking, there is only knowing thinking. That's another way of saying it. Oh, thinking is happening. And you don't have to jump on the thought train. And then the cortisol doesn't start and, and all like that. So uh, Paul Ekman, by the way, has a, a, this, this notion that I love. Um, this phenomenon called the refractory period, which he says, when we get triggered, we go offline and can do crazy things and just really lose it. And it, but it, most of us, we all probably know what it's like to get activated and completely be out of our minds, so to speak for a little while. And he says, it's been shown that the mindfulness shortens the refractory period 
So you get lost for shorter and shorter time. And I can, I can attest to that in my own life. You know, uh, I could be triggered and just be gone for weeks, you know, when I first started this and just keeping on ruminating and going. And now, you know, I can get triggered. And, you know, I often say you press the right button, I can be back in the third grade, but I don't stay there for very long. It's like, oh, freaking out. That's what's happening here. Or, oh, it's little, little six-year-old Jamie. That's what's going on. And, ah, there's freedom. And it it's not because it's because mindfulness works because mindfulness sees through that creation that you've gotten lost in. So you're onto it. That's it to you. Uh, Serena, last thing, and then, then we should get going. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So I was wondering whether you have any, uh, 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 what do you call it? Uh, I'm sorry. It's a little late here. In, mm. in New Jersey, mm. uh, oh, any any um, thing that you could uh, recommend reading on the, um, you know how, I always thought that thinking kind of affected emotion affected emotions. Now people are bringing up that, you know, uh, chemicals in our bodies affect emotions and. Um, um, you know, processes in our bodies affect emotions. I'm wondering if there are, if there is any article, any articles you could recommend or any uh, material that you could point to related to that. About bo the body affecting the mind? No, about the body uh, uh, affecting directly emotions. Oh, I, I, I'm sure there's plenty. Tia, maybe you, you know, you're a, 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 a biologist or um, uh, I would just Google uh, uh, body uh, affecting emotions. Sometimes people say, could you tell me about an article that, and I'll Google it and I'll, there'll be five articles and, and they'll say, oh, that was so great. So uh, I can't think of any off the bat. There, there is a, one book, Destructive Emotions by, uh, by the Dalai Lama. Uh, and it probably goes into it there. But uh, Tia, do you have any? No. Yeah, there's the, um, so many, but um, what comes to mind is emotional intelligence. Oh, 2, yeah. 2.0. Um, more, it has more how-to. Um, there's uh, Rav Ivkar, um, Chronic Pain. It has something about uh, cannabis use uh, in the first half of the book, but the second half is all about what you're asking about. Mm, what's it called? Cannabis. Uh, no, the, the name of the book. Uh, the, yeah, it has Cannabis and Treatment of Chronic Pain. Uh -huh. something, something with those keywords by Rav Ivkar, I-V-K-A-R. Mm -hmm. Just okay. to get started. Mm -hmm. And and there, there, there should be plenty about, I mean, there's been so much research about how uh, how emotions are triggered by, by body. Um, so just... Uh, if nothing else, just Google it, and you'll you'll probably see something. Okay, uh, let's let's close with a dedication of merit. And as I said, uh, Eve Decker will be here next week, and uh, she'll be sharing some songs and giving a more musical dedication. But right now, just uh, become aware that here we are with all of us, and just sharing the Dharma together and how good 
fortune that is that we can all be interested and have the chance to share. And wrapping up all of the merit that we collectively create together with our good fortune and just envision um, sharing it with the world for the benefit of all humans, non-humans, for the benefit of this planet. May all see through their confusion and awaken to uh, the highest happiness and peace. Okay, have a really good week and uh, see you next time.